Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. And thank you for being here today. Hey, I I probably don't say that enough, but it's such an honor that you guys show up and, and, and listen to whatever crazy thing I have to say every week. It, it means so much that you're here. And uh, I probably don't say that enough, but I appreciate you being here. I'm excited about what God's going to speak to our hearts today. We're in week three of a series we've called Illuminate. It's all about evangelism. And I'm telling you, I know it to be true. This subject makes people uncomfortable. The only thing that makes people more uncomfortable is when we talk about money. True story. So we're in week three. Week one, I used a little childish, simplistic little illustration that talked about how we give away our faith and that before we can give something away, we got to own it, right? We have to have, before I can give away my faith, I have to have a faith. And we used a bunch of Oreo cookies to, to show that. And, and um, that was a great idea. Um, truth is, as, as long as your greatest argument for faith is someone else's faith, you don't have a very good argument. Then last week, we talked about our influence. We said the single most significant thing that we could ever do on this planet is to expose other people to the gospel. I gave you a little three-step plan to do that. We invest, we invite, and we trust God with the outcome. Uh, so we talked about our faith, we talked about our influence And uh, hopefully over the next few weeks, here's what you'll see, is that evangelism is really not as intimidating as you think it is. And it's for you. That if you've been transformed by the power of the gospel, if you've been changed, if Christ has radically changed your life, then somebody, there's somebody in your world that needs to know that. Um, If you've got your Bibles or a bulletin handy, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We've read this each week and we'll continue to do that. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you, I feel like my voice, like I haven't felt like this since I was 14, and uh, my voice was changing. So I got like 26 minutes of voice. So I got to get all this in 26 minutes because I'm running out. But y'all going to pray for me that I'm able to get through this? Two of you going to pray for me? Okay, don't, somebody said, don't pray too hard. He'll preach 45 minutes. This is what we read. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Pray with me. Father, um, Thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to gather as the church, in the church. So would you speak to our hearts? Would you teach us today how important it is that we share our story with a world that's around us? How important it is that we allow you to transform us in such a way, God, that people around us will recognize the work of our Father in us. 
We love you, Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. Okay, I'm going to make a statement, and I'm uncomfortable making this statement, but I'm just going to have to say it. I am not a young man anymore. I'm officially middle-aged. Now, what's funny, because some of you knew me when I was a young man. How many of you would agree with this, that time is one of those odd things? I'll say it like this. I'm 49. 49 does not look like I thought 49 would look when I was 19. You with me? 49 looks nothing like I thought it was going to look when I was 29. 49 doesn't look like I thought it was going to look when I was 39. 49 looks a lot different than I thought it was would look when I was a young man. Honestly, I didn't know what 49 would look like. See, I've lived through a few things since I was 19. See, I can tell you what it's like to be a child and marry a child and work through those processes. I can tell you what that's like. I can tell you what it's like to want a child and lose two. I can tell you what what that's like. I can tell you what it feels like to finally have a doctor take my newborn son's feet, put them in ink, and then put his feet on my chest. I can tell you what that feels like. I can tell you what it feels like for God to call you in the ministry and you fight him for a little while and then finally surrender. I can, I can tell you what that feels like. I can tell you what it feels like for God to take you from your place of comfort, out of the community that you love, away from family that you love, away from a church that you love, and plant you in the middle of somewhere that, where you don't know anybody. I, I can tell you what that feels like. I can tell you what it feels like for God to place a burden so heavy on your heart that you have to leave that town and come home and plant a church. I can, I can tell you what that feels like. There was this guy. There was this guy that was telling me about this Facebook post that he saw. And in this Facebook post he saw there was this pastor that had actually posted it. And he was, it was about this movie. And this movie, this pastor had tried to make this illustration about this other guy that was struggling. And he was illustrating how that was going to, you know, how God was going to help this guy. When did I lose you? I know when I lost you. I, I, I saw your eyes glaze over. When did I lose you? Think about it. I, I can tell you the four words that I said prior to just losing you. And I, I, I saw, hmm, I wonder the Braves play at one or five. I wonder where we're going to eat lunch today. I saw it with my own eyes. It happened at, there was this guy. See, when I was telling you my story, I had your attention. And then when I brought some random guy with some random pastor and some random Facebook post in, I lost you. I did all that to tell you this. Someone, if you take a note, write this down. Someone needs to hear your story. Your story. I believe that God 
has strategically placed people in your world to hear your story. Not only do they need to hear your story, they want to hear your story. We are fascinated by story. Can I prove it to you? This year, we, not we, just us, but we, a nation, will spend $11 billion at the box office. $11 billion. That's a lot. That's bigger than most countries on the planet. $11 billion. And you know what? We'll go see a bad movie, and that won't stop us from going to see another movie, will it? Just because we see one bad one doesn't mean we're not going to go see another one. We're fascinated with story. And here's what happens. In every one of those movies, if it's romantic, if it's a comedy, if it's action, if it's sci-fi, in every one of those comedies, I mean, every one of those movies, you've got a character that has a conflict, and it's been resolved. Write it down. If there's no resolution of the conflict, you hate that movie. If the Death Star doesn't blow up, nobody goes back to see Star Wars. So, your story. Your story is critical to this process, the process that we've talked about for three weeks now of evangelism. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave this example with you. See, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I, I, I studied techniques to share my faith. I had all the little chick gospel tracts, and I'd leave them out. I went to the Do Tell Youth Evangelism class. And here's why I can still remember the question. The question that we're supposed to approach people with, according to the Do Tell Youth Evangelism class. If you die tonight, can you say for certain that you'd be in heaven? Now that sounds awesome when you're in a room full of Christians at the do-tell youth evangelism class. But at Starbucks in front of somebody you don't know, here's what you're going to get. I'm not even sure there is a heaven. I'm not even sure there's a God. And who, by the way, are you? That's what you'll get. I've got it. So, your story. Somebody needs to hear your story. Think about your life. Think about your life through the lens that I just painted with my own. Does, do things look today like you thought they would look 10 years ago? Do things look today like you thought they would look 20 years ago? Does high school look like high school, like you thought high school would look when you were in middle school? Does college look like you thought college was going to look like when you're in high school? Does marriage look like you thought it was going to look when you were single? Does being a parent look like you thought? Do you remember before you, parents wave, wave at me? You remember when you thought, oh, I can't wait to start a family. We'll, we'll have picnics and, and it'll be so lovely. We'll place our child in the bed. She will go to sleep. Lies. Somebody lied to you. That's not how it goes, is it? Can I get a witness from the mamas in the house? See, if you're like me, there's some parts of your story that you'd say, 
Man, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it the exact same way. If I had, to, if I had an opportunity to marry Donna Henry all over again, I'd walk down that same aisle. Y'all, it was a crazy day. I was panting like a hound dog. She's walking down the aisle. I'd do it all over again. But maybe you're like me. You could say, man, there's some roads. There's some twists. There's some turns along my path that I'd rather just not have to go through again. In fact, maybe you could say with me, there's some things that you walked through that you had to look. And, and if all honesty, in all honesty, you had to look at God and say, God, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? I've been there. When mom got sick, God, why? I, I pray for, for over a year for her to find Christ, and she does, and now, now she doesn't know my name? understand that. When Donna lost our first child, then lost our second child, I'm not going to, I can't say I was mad at God, but it was one of those moments in my life where I just didn't understand it. I'm like, why? Why? I got a phone call from our pastor at the time. Some of you know him. His name is Doug Hendricks. He called and I really didn't want to talk to him, to be frank with you. But I, I respected him, so I, I took his phone call. He said, Dwayne, I don't know what to say to you. He said, but there, there may come a day. There may come an opportunity for God to use this horrible experience that you guys have had, now twice, for you to be a beacon of light in somebody else's life. In somebody else's darkness, God may use this horrible situation as a, as a beacon of life. And can I tell you that six months later, I had my arm around Doug Hendricks' oldest son because they had walked through the same, same thing. Here's, I can't explain all of the crazy twists and turns in your story. I can't. But could it be, is God big enough to take some of those turns, some of the high points, some of the low points in your story and use it as a beacon of light in someone else's life. I say yes. I say that someone needs to hear your story. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture. And it's a very lengthy passage of Scripture, so I didn't put it in your bulletin. So you may need your version phone app. You may need to pay attention to the screen behind me. You may need to do something radical and op- open an old school Bible. Does yours have maps in it? Does it got the maps? That's hardcore right there. John chapter 4, there's this incredible, incredible story of story. And while you're turning there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of set it up for you a little bit. Jesus gives us a little bit of a glimpse into his own humanity. Jesus was traveling um, from Judea to Galilee. Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. It's about 70 miles. Um, now, to me and you, 70 miles isn't a big deal. In fact, this afternoon, we're taking Matthew back to Dahlonega. We'll be home this evening, and, and it's, it's way more than that in a round trip. 70 miles is not that big a deal. In those days, it's two and a half days of walking from the time the sun comes up to the time it goes down. Two and a half days. And... 
I love the way the Bible paints these simplistic pictures. Because at the point we're going to begin reading, it's probably 6 o'clock in the evening. So Jesus might have walked 20 miles by this time. And the Bible says that, and he stopped at the well because he was tired and thirsty. Hello? If you'd walk 20 miles, would you be tired and thirsty? Of course you would. Now here's the interesting part about this whole deal. Jesus is walking through a region called Samaria. Now, Jewish people and Samaritans did not like each other. They were, you know, we would call it racial tension today. They didn't like each other. They didn't do, do business with each other. They, they just kept themselves separate. And so a Samaritan woman walks up and Jesus, even speaking to her, blows her away. And he asks her for a drink of water. That's where we're going to pick up reading our story. John chapter 4, this is starting reading with verse 9. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. What's she call him? If you're, if you're in your Bible, I want you to circle that. If you're taking notes, write the word Jew down. If you are, she called him a what? Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Hey, listen to me. People have been divided for a long time. Racial tension is nothing new. And, and how many know what, what the enemy's greatest tool is to divide people? He's done a pretty good job of it this year, hasn't he? Divided across racial lines, across geographical lines, across cultural lines. And just so you'll know, that's been going on for a very, very, very long time. How many know Jesus really is the answer for all that stuff? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water. See, at this point, she still hadn't figured it out. See, when he said living water, just those words. See, when we hear it, we think, oh, that's something spiritual. What that meant to her was it wasn't water from a, a, a stagnant source. It was a river. It was river water. It was stream water. It, it was water that was alive. It was water that was moving. It was, there was an in-source. There was an out-source. That's what it meant to her. She said, but sir, you don't have a rope or bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Listen to what he said. Jesus was a master storyteller. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring from within them, giving them eternal life. Anybody experienced that? I'm just curious. Anybody? Now listen to her response. Please, sir. What's she calling that time? So what's she calling first time? Now she called him. Please, sir, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here and get water. Now Jesus... <laughs> He's so cool, right? This is awesome. He says, go and get your husband. Jesus told her, and she said, I don't have a husband. Now, here's a question. Was Jesus trying to embarrass her? Was Jesus trying to condemn her? Was Jesus trying 
to reveal himself to her? Was Jesus trying to show her who he was and how desperately she needed what he had? That's exactly what he was doing. See, people want to take that and, and turn it and twist it in some act of condemnation. Of, and that's not what Jesus was doing at all. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And here's what he was trying to tell her. Here's what you need to understand. Here's what I need to understand. That your past doesn't disqualify you from what God has for you in the now. Your past doesn't disqualify you for what God has for you today. And please hear me. You need that for you. But you need that for somebody else. You know what we're good at? We're real good at prejudging people. Well, they'd never find Christ. They'd never come with me to church. I know where they've been. And I know what they've done. And I don't even know who they've done it with. See, we, we do that even with her. With the woman at the well. Because she had five husbands. But how many of you understand that in that day... And that day, a man could divorce his wife and all it cost him was a piece of paper. And he could do it for any reason whatsoever. If she burnt dinner, he writes a note and sends her away with nothing. She had no rights. She had no money. She, he, she burns a toast at breakfast. Pack your stuff. Truth is, you don't know her story. Now, I'm just going to say like this. If that happened to her five times, the common denominator is her. So she probably has some issues. <laughs> just saying. But we don't know. We don't know her story. All we know is what John tells us. That's all we know. And you don't know. You don't know that one that God strategically placed in your circle of influence. You don't know their story. You don't know how they got where they are. You don't know the hell they fought getting there. Several years ago, I had a conversation that has never left my mind. I try to forget it. I had an opportunity to go to the Gwinnett County Youth Detention Center and minister one night. And I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest with you. Um, they tell you now, if you're doing prison ministry or youth detention ministry, that, you know, the thing you don't ask is you don't ask anybody why they're there. Well, I didn't know any better. So there's this 11-year-old kid. And we're talking, and I asked the question you're not supposed to. Dude, why are you here? And his head dropped, and he said, I molested two little girls. At 11 years old. You don't know what that little boy's seen. You don't know what brought him to that place. Is it horrible? Is the sin disgusting? Does it make you want to throw up? 
Absolutely. But we got no idea what that little boy seen. We got no idea what was done to that little boy. We got no clue what brought, and it's none of our stinking business. You know what our job is? Invest, invite, and trust God to do whatever he can do with a broken life. You with me? You just don't know. You just don't know. Let's read on. What'd she call him the first time? What'd she call him the second time? Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Started that he was a Jew. Then he was sir. Now he's a prophet. You get the idea that Jesus is slowly revealing himself to her. Yeah. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while, the, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped her? The Son of God is standing in front of her, speaking words to her, revealing himself to her, and she can't see it. Do you know Why? She can't see it because in her mind, in her thought process, she's got all of these religious rules that's preventing her from understanding what's happening right in front of her. I wonder how many people can't see Jesus because they've been blocked by religion. I wonder how many people can't see Jesus because they've been blocked by religious people. Somebody needs to hear your story. Jesus goes on. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. He's trying to tell her that your answer is coming from the Jewish people. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here. Now when... True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who worship Him in that way. Jesus was teaching her that the object of her worship was much more important than the location of her worship. And He's slowly, slowly revealing Himself to her. And that's the part of the process we tend to forget. See, there's somebody in your world that needs to hear your story. And here's what's happening in their life right now. The Holy Spirit is revealing Himself to them. Nugget by nugget by nugget, slowly, a little at a time, God is beginning to reveal Himself. Jesus, through the power of His Holy Spirit, is revealing Himself to somebody in your world. And you know what they're waiting on? They're waiting on you to come along. And put mortar on brick. God wants to use you. Listen. God wants to use you. To help reveal himself. To somebody in your world. That's pretty heavy isn't it? That God wants to use you. To help reveal himself. To somebody in your world. Now who is that? Let's read on just for a moment. For God is spirit. 
So those who worship him, this is verse 24 if you're following along, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then he completely reveals himself to her. That Jesus said, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. I love that. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Listen, the woman left her water jar beside the well. By the way, that water jar was, you know, to me and you, it's a jar. To her, it was her lifeline for water. And she left it there. Ran back to the village telling a couple of people. It's not what it says, is it? Telling everyone. Listen to what she said. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? See, when the conversation started, he was a Jew. Then he was sir. Then he was a prophet. Now he's the Messiah. He has, through the course of this conversation, revealed himself to her. And then this is where the story gets incredible. Um, could he possibly be the Messiah? Verse 30. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Her unique story drew people to Christ. Her unique story drew people to Christ. So it's obvious by now that I'm telling you the story is an illustration. And maybe you think that in this story, you're the Jesus character and all of these people around you are the Samaritan woman. No. You, you and I are that Samaritan woman. Broken. Sorted past. And slowly for some of us, Jesus began to reveal himself to Do you remember the awe and wonder of realizing that your sins had been forgiven, that you'd come in contact with the Son of God, that God loved you enough to, to bankrupt heaven just for you? Do you remember the awe? We've forgotten it. Here, here's the beautiful part of the story in verse 39. We're going to skip down a little bit. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Because many Samaritans believed in this Jewish man. That's a miracle by itself. Because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. This is, and, and please don't miss this part. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And what I'm here to tell you is that God wants to use you to be that kind of catalyst in someone else's world. That God wants to use you and your unique story. Hmm. Look how God used her. 
And look how God's weaving your story together. Someone needs to hear your story. See, here's, here's how your story becomes powerful. Your story, my story, my story doesn't become powerful just because my wife had two miscarriages. It's sad and it's, it'll, it rips at your heart. But it becomes powerful when I tell you that all by myself in my bedroom, the Son of God showed up and put His arms around me and held me close. And when a pastor couldn't help me and my wife couldn't help me and my parents couldn't help me and I was broken and a heartache, the Son of God came to me and rescued me. That's when the story gets powerful. Your story gets powerful when it intersects with the story of God. Your story isn't powerful because you were an alcoholic. Your story is powerful because you were addicted and you ran head on into the path of Christ. That's when it gets powerful. That's when it becomes life-changing to those around you. It's not that you're good. It's that you ran head on into the Son of God and He transformed you and He rescued you and He changed you. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with rules. It has nothing to do with with all the stuff that we've made it. It's simply this. I was broken. Jesus showed up. And my story intersected with His. And now I'm forever changed. Period. Why does it have to be more complicated than that? It doesn't. I'm going to give you a couple practical things. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because I know the hour's getting late. Why isn't this more? I'm just going to tell you it ought to be natural. Sharing our story ought to be natural, it ought to be organic, but sometimes it's not. I'm going to give you four things really quickly to how we can help our story, sharing our story, become more natural and more organic. Okay, you with me? Number one, you keep your relationship with Christ fresh and growing. You do that with daily communion. If, if your relationship with Christ has grown stale, first thing you need to check is your, is your devotional life. Are you spending time in your Word? Are you spending time in prayer talking to Christ? And, and this, isn't, this isn't volunteer Sunday, but I want you to listen to me because I... I believe I know what I'm talking about. If, if you're reading your Bible, you're talking to God, and your devotional life's healthy, but you still find your relationship with Christ growing stale, it's probably because the living water doesn't have an outsource. Serve your church. Serve. Take it in and then give it away. If you're not, if you're not serving, can I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be... I want you to understand my motives are pure. I'm not just trying to, you know, get Sean more help in Kids Church or Mikey more help on Wednesday nights. I'm, I'm just telling you that if your relationship with Christ is growing stale and you're, well, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, you probably don't have an outsource. You're probably not giving anything away. That's all I'm going to say about that. So number one, keep your relationship with Christ fresh and growing. Number two, you reflect often on the work of Christ in your own life. Remember where he brought you from and that'll keep that sorry, stinking, judgmental spirit away from you. 
If you won't let the devil cause you to forget how far Christ has brought you, you won't try to put that on somebody else. Were you writing and didn't hear what I just said? I'm just curious. If, if you won't let the devil rob you of your... Now, I'm not telling you to live in your past, but part of your story is how Jesus rescued you. What, do you, what he rescued you from, you need to remember that. You need to reflect on that. Number three, ask somebody else to share their story with you. Number four, this might be the hardest one. You need to develop some transparency. Because I want you to listen to me. There may come a point when God's called you into a place to share your story with somebody that he's strategically placed in your world. And you may have to share with them the messy parts. It's not pleasant. You know, it's really easy to talk about the good, clean, churchy stuff. But see, maybe God brought you back from the brink of divorce because of some adultery. And I'm not telling you to, you know, I wouldn't make that a Facebook post. But, but God may use your story for somebody else that's right there. Maybe, maybe God delivered you from a, a pornography addiction. Now that's, again, probably not something you want to tweet. You're like, wait, I went tweet. But God may put somebody in your path that because Jesus has rescued you from that hell, you're going to be a light for somebody else. Just saying. Because someone needs to hear your story. But here's what I need you to know. There's one thing standing in the way. There's one thing standing in the way of your story and the person that needs to hear it. One thing. It's a choice. See, you're going to make a choice whether to initiate that conversation with somebody that God's put in your path or to not. You're going to make the choice to invest, invite, and trust. Or you'll make the choice to not. Is it uncomfortable? Probably. Especially early on. But can I tell you, if, if you'll make this a part of your life, it'll, it'll become natural and become organic. And you'll be amazed at the people God will drop in your path. See, God's not real concerned. And listen to me, I'm all about study and, and all of you go to seminary and learn all you can learn. Hallelujah. But listen, God's not dropping somebody in, the, in your path because you know, you know where Paul was when he wrote his epistle to the Romans. He's putting somebody in, the, in your path because they need to hear your story. And that's how we're going to pray this morning. Invest. Invite. Trust God with the outcome. We're going to pray. I'm going to show you a quick video after we pray. And then I'm going to send you out with a challenge. Donna's going to come. Just so I know who I'm talking to. We're going to pray, but I want you to look at me real quick. 
How many would say that this is a part of your walk with Christ? That you need his strength in. That you need him to help you with. Just kind of so I know who I'm talking to. Hey, both my hands up. I'm much more comfortable standing here than I am initiating conversation. But God chose you and me to be the catalyst for spreading his love into this world. So I'm going to pray to that end. Almost every hand went up. So that tells me that that we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Give us the boldness to share our story. Give us the words to say that God would supernaturally put people in our path so we can invest in them. Invite them to Jesus. Invite them to church. Pray with me, Father, in Jesus' name. Before we ask anything of you, God, I so relate to that woman standing at the well. And I know it took you a while to reveal yourself to me. God, I'm so thankful that you did. I'm so thankful, God, that you showed me who you were. And you changed my life. You rescued me. God, I thank you that I remember what it felt, even though it was so long ago. So God, I pray that you help me, that you help all of us understand the importance of sharing our story, of lifting high the banner and name of Jesus in our world. Not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. So God, I pray for all of us. God, that you give us boldness and you give us courage. You give us words to say. And more importantly, God, that you strategically put people in our path. We can invest our lives. Share your story. And God, if there's one here this morning that hasn't made the decision to follow you, God, I pray that today God, they make a choice to surrender all of their life and follow you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, would you just begin to thank the Lord for his goodness and his grace? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for setting us free. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Watch the screen. can come out now. Becca, you ruined the surprise. I saw your car across the street. Plus, it's not my birthday for another two weeks. What's going on? Is everything okay? Thanks for coming, son. Sure, yeah, this is my house. I live here. 
What are you guys doing here? Why don't you take a seat, son? We're all here today because we love and care about you so much, and yeah, we just have some concerns, honey. Concerns? Like what? Well, we've seen some of the pictures that you've posted on Twister, and I must say I do not approve of some of your activity. First of all, it's Twitter, and secondly, I don't know what pictures you're talking about. This, son. This. What's wrong with fishing? It's not what you're doing. It's what you're not doing. Instead of fishing for fish, how about you start fishing for men? I think what your dad's trying to say is that Sundays aren't meant to be spent at the lake. You should be spending your time with us, where you belong, at church. We're really worried about you, Jake. Church, that's what this is all about. Look, son, you've got a choice to make. You can either come to church with us, or you'll be spending all your time at the lake. The lake of fire. And brimstone. Inviting someone to church doesn't have to be like an intervention. Just ask. And brimstone. I showed you that video to tell you, you've, you've seen on our video announcements, September 20th, Back to Church Sunday. Let me tell you what's going to start tomorrow. You're going to start seeing me. If you're active on social media, some way, shape, form, or fashion, raise your hand. You're going to see Facebook posts. You're going to see Twitter stuff, Instagram stuff. And here's what, here's what I don't need you to do. Now, if you're not active, we got other stuff for you. But if you are active, here's what I don't need you to do. Go, oh, Dwayne's doing, that's so cute. I might even like it. Like, no, share it. Share it. And start now praying who God's going to have you invite to church for Back to Church Sunday. And when they come, here's what they're going to experience. Just an incredible day, just like we always have, and they'll hear the gospel. So when you start seeing this stuff going out, when you start getting emails, when you start seeing some of this, next Sunday when you come over here, there's going to be some some invite cards. Once you start taking those and giving those out, and September 20th, let's have a big day and just what God would do. Invest, invite, and trust. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.